the Old Testament lesson for this, the first Sunday after Christmas, is Isaiah 61, verses 10 through chapter 62, verse 3. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, the fourth chapter. This will also serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. It isn't included in this text, but verse 21 actually tells us of a very important event that took place in the life of Jesus, and that was his circumcision. So on the eighth day after he was born, like all Jewish male boys, he was taken to the priest, and the priest circumcised him, and that was the first shedding of his blood uh, in fulfillment of the law. But this text picks up with verse 22, where Mary and Joseph now, when Jesus is about 40 days old, takes Jesus to the temple. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. 
And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the babe born in Bethlehem, the King of all kings. There are several Christmas movies where characters swap places or assume new roles. One such Christmas music is called The Christmas Prince. It's a story about an American journalist who travels, her name is Amber, and Amber travels to a fictional country called Aldovia to get better coverage, to get the scoop on the prince of that country known as Prince Richard. But in the process, Amber gets mistaken for the prince's sister, Prince Emily's new tutor. And thus Amber is forced to play along to get her story, but she begins to find herself falling in love with the prince. Another movie, The Santa Suit, stars Kevin Sorbo of Hercules fame. In this Hallmark Channel movie, Sorbo plays the role of a Scrooge-type businessman named Drake Hunter who ruthlessly runs a toy factory that, was, that he inherited from his father. And without spoiling the plot, because I know you might want to watch it, I can see that, you, you, you can, I can see that, well, you can see that Hunter is transformed into a Santa lookalike, and he's forced to work as a mall Santa after ending up in a homeless shelter. But as I say, you'll want to maybe watch that this afternoon. I could go on and on with many more examples I found it actually quite astounding how many Christmas, music, Christmas movies are developed around the plot of one person assuming a new role or swapping lies with someone else. Like I googled it and I came up with at least ten. That, and these were the favorite ones. And I just shared two of them with you. But you know, these Christmas dramas, they really pale in comparison to the Christmas story of Jesus Christ when God's Son assumes a new role and This role that he assumes has remarkable, considerable meaning for us, for our life on earth and for our life eternally. Listen again to the words that St. Paul wrote to the Galatians in the fourth chapter. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship 
Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're His child, God has also made you an heir. But when the set time had fully come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. As we've been talking about these last couple Christmas services, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, God became a man. He who is eternal had a beginning in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The king who makes all things and claims all things as his own was born into poverty. He who's all-powerful is completely dependent on his mom for his well-being. He who invented and decreed the law becomes subject to the law and even condemned by it. And he who cannot die, dies for the wages of our sin. God assumed this role of being a human, of being our Redeemer and Savior, not for His good, but for ours, for our benefit. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. We were people who were living under God's law, I mean, the condemnation of God's law. We were accused of breaking it, condemned for doing so, orphaned as a consequence, slaves in bondage to law's despotic control on our lives. That was our condition. Our Heavenly Father would have none of this. He didn't want that to remain our condition. He doesn't want that condition for anyone in this world. His desire is to be reconciled to His children, and for that to happen, his son must assume our place and accomplish what you and I are incapable of doing, and that is redeeming ourselves. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, we're told that Jesus, like all Jewish boys, was circumcised on the eighth day. His blood was shed. 32 days later, the infant Jesus was dedicated to the Lord in the temple. But he was bought back. He was redeemed by his parents, Mary and Joseph, as they dedicated the Lord to pigeons. These two seemingly insignificant events in Jesus' life are actually important steps in God's Son fulfilling the law of our Lord's plan to redeem us from the control and the curse and the condemnation of the law. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And behold, it did come to pass that Jesus not only fulfilled the law perfectly for us, but he also became that sacrificial pigeon. Well, we don't normally think of him as the sacrificial pigeon, do we? We think of him as the sacrificial lamb, for he was that too. For all of those Old Testament sacrifices pointed ahead to the ultimate sacrifice that the Savior of the world would make. And they were referring to Christ. And indeed, Christ shed his blood for you and for me 
to pay our redemption price in full so that we might be redeemed, we might be liberated from the tyrannical rule of the law. I like what Martin Luther says when he writes, Law, you have no jurisdiction over me. Therefore, you are accusing and condemning me in vain. For I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom the Father sent into the world to redeem us miserable sinners who were oppressed by the tyranny of the law. He poured out in his life, and he spent it lavishly for me. And when I feel your terrors and threats, O law, I immerse my conscience in the wounds, in the blood, in the death, in the resurrection, and the victory of Christ. Beyond him, I do not want to see or hear anything at all. Well, we do want to hear these next words because they're from St. Paul. And he writes, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, into our hearts, and the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. Jesus' embracing the role of Redeemer means that our role, that our position in life changes too. As I've said, we are by nature slaves to sin. Our sin alienates us from our holy and righteous Creator. Our sin places us under the same curse that God conferred upon Adam and Eve who disobeyed Him. To Eve, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Though painful toil, or through painful toil, you will eat food from all of it the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so then the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. As children of Adam and Eve, this is our predicament as well. The pain of pregnancy and childbirth, it's very real. The struggle between sexes, it's real too. The frustration and agony of having to live or to make a living on this cursed land and sometimes being victimized by this creation, well, it's very real too. And eventually, we all die. We return to the dust from which we came. And worst of all, by nature, because of our sin, we're banished from God's presence. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, a philosopher in the 1700s, said, Slaves lose everything in their chains, even the desire of escaping from them. I think Rousseau is on to something. It might explain why so many people in this world are strangely listless or indifferent to breaking free from the bondage to sin in which they find themselves to be living in instead of desiring to be set free, to be liberated from this prison of sin. And they, see, can be set free, as we have been set free, 
when they know and they trust in Christ as their Savior. As the Spirit has done that for us, that He has created faith and trust in our hearts so that we believe in Christ as our Savior. I mean, it doesn't take very long to know that most, if not all, people are disgruntled with their lives. Many are governed by their fears. Others crave more and more stuff, like an addict craving another hit. Many resign themselves to, well, this is what my life is. And for all the struggles that we've experienced these past number of months, one would think that people would be filling the sanctuaries, participating in droves on online worship services, that we'd be having thousands of views. You'd think that people would be buying Bibles or requesting free Bibles. You'd think that people would be seeking pastoral care. But no. There doesn't really seem to be an uptick in increased interest or longing for the Lord or being ministered to by one of His servants. Now, strangely, most people remain quite satisfied with being a slave to sin, to being a spiritual orphan, to living life as it is, when they could be set free and live as a child in the family of God. Many know of no other life. For them, there is no other, no other alternative to life. And so they subside in this spiritually unsatisfying, hollow existence, the prison of sin. It need not be so. By Jesus' perfect obedience of the law and by the shedding of His own blood, our Savior has not only redeemed us from slavery, He's not only opened the doors to that prison cell in which we find ourselves, but He has made it possible for us to be adopted into the family of God as God's daughters and sons. And in fact, that's what we are when the Holy Spirit brings us to faith in Christ through the waters of holy baptism. That's why St. Paul writes in our text, because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of Son into our hearts and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You see, our status has changed from orphan to child of God because Jesus Christ was willing to be orphaned for us. On that cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ exchanged places with us. We should be ones on the cross, not Him. But He took that place for us on the cross. And for the briefest of moments in human history, God's eternal Son was orphaned from His Father as He bore the curse and the condemnation of your sin and my sin and the sin of all people. That's why He cried out these often repeated words, My God, my God, why have You forsaken Me? Well, God's response to Jesus' question that He cried out on that cross is actually found in our text for today. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive sonship. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're a child, God has also made you an heir. Talk about a role reversal. Through Christ, we have gone from being a slave to being free from perceiving God as some generic, impersonal God out there to knowing God as our personal Abba, Father, 
from being an heir apparent to being an heir of God's vast eternal treasures. Children who are adopted into the family or into a family often wonder, do I really belong to that family? Do my adoptive parents, my mom and dad, really love me and care for me? Well, we who are adopted into the family of God often wonder the same things. Do I really belong in God's family? After all, look at how I often rebel against Him. Does my Heavenly Father really love and care for me? We often think that when we think that He's so distant and far from us. But our Heavenly Father's response to all of these doubts and questions that we might have about Him, His overwhelming response is with an affirmative, yes, I do love you. Yes, you do belong in my family. So when we have these doubts, remember the miracle of the Incarnation, that God loves you and me so much that He literally came into this world to be our Savior. He took on flesh and blood for us so that He could die. Remember the blood shed in the circumcision and in the crucifixion of our Savior. He was willing to shed His blood for us. And remember the water that was splashed on our head and and the Holy Spirit poured out on us during that adoption ceremony of holy baptism in which our Heavenly Father received us as His own. And be encouraged by the words of Isaiah from our Old Testament reading today when he said, Delight yourself in the Lord. Yes, delight yourself in the Lord. Rejoice in your Abba, Father, for He has clothed you with the garment of salvation and dressed you in a robe of righteousness. By God's grace, we have assumed a different role from that with which we were born. We now live as sons and daughters in the family of God. And our Lord gives us incredible dignity by adopting us into His royal family. Isaiah describes the dignity that we possess in Christ, saying, We are a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. A girl bought a particular necklace that had struck her fancy. It was made of inexpensive plastic, and it looked cheap. But it was very near and dear to her heart. In fact, it was her treasured possession. One day her father asked her to give it to him. She didn't understand why her dad would ask her to give up what was so precious to her. But she reluctantly handed it over to him. And after her father examined the necklace, he put it into his pocket. The girl was heartbroken and confused. But then her father took out of his other pocket what he had bought for her, a beautiful string of pearls. And he put it around her neck. And only then did she realize her necklace was, how, she realized how inferior her necklace was compared to the beautiful string of pearls her father had given her. Many people value the life that they live. They think of and desire no other alternative. But the life many people choose to live is quite frankly a cheap imitation of what life could be for them if they lived in the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. It's like they have settled for plastic pearls when they could have the real thing. 
We do not need to resign ourselves to living a life that pales in comparison to the lavish gifts of life that God gives to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Instead, we can unwrap the gifts of grace, God's gifts of grace to us every morning of every day. We can unwrap every day the gift of redemption, knowing that we have been set free from the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ. We can open up the gift of adoption, knowing that we've been adopted into the family of God, that we're His sons and daughters. And as a result, we're in possession of an eternal treasure promised to us by our Heavenly Father. When we live such a life, it truly is Christmas every day. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.